With it being college football magazine season, the Heels Up blog gets a chance to sit down and talk to sporting news writer Bill Bender about what he sees for the Tar Heels this upcoming season. All right, so yeah, I mean, you know, jumping into it really, um, you know, as a, as a national guy, how did you feel that last season's three and nine year? What what did that do to the Tar Heels Nationals perspective? I mean, especially after you know we had the eleven and three season, I think we were starting to seem like one of those teams trending up. How bad did last year really hurt us? Well, it definitely you know the program took a step back. There's no way you don't when that kind of season happens. I think. Uh, and it really started with those early season losses to Cal and Louisville. I mean, when you, you start a season in an 0-2 hole, it becomes a challenge to motivate your team. And I get that. I mean, North Carolina is not the first team that's happened to. But I think the challenge now for the Tar Heels will be um, reestablishing themselves in the Coastal. I mean, Virginia Tech's not going to slow down. Fuente. Um, Miami's certainly not going to slow down with Mark Rick. That's only going to continue to swell so that'll be North Carolina's biggest challenge this year well and then I, I think one of the things that everybody is, is kind of wondering you know being a you know in the Tar Heel community I think a lot of people kind of want to push it under the rug if there is anything there how hot do you actually think Larry Fedora's seat is heading into this season well I don't know if it's hot I, I when you sent me this question I, I wasn't sure um because I, I will say this, though, he used to be a guy that, and I do all those hot seat coaching lists um, when a job pops open. Mm-hmm. And he was, in the previous cycle, he was in every one of them. You know, Larry Fedora is a hot candidate for this job or this job, and, mm-hmm. and none of them really materialized. And then this year, he wasn't. So I think that's one effect of a 3-9 and nine season. And then I think, um, you know, from there, you got to wonder – how is he going to compete in this division where everybody is improved? Um, there's a lot of parity in the Coastal. I think of every Power 5 division, the Coastal probably has the most parity other than maybe the Pac-12 South. So I think that's Larry Fedora's challenge now. Like I said, uh, you know, and that starts right off the top of two road games against you know teams that are going to want to beat North Carolina very badly in Cal and East Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. The Coastal, I mean, we've seen it before. It's it's pretty much, you know, every year there's always somebody different that's going to kind of rise to the top and challenge someone that is seen as that staying power, which now, I, I mean, I, I guess I guess is Miami. I'm not really sure about that. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's probably that other one, and then, you know, behind them. But it's, you're, you're right. I mean, you could see every team really making a bowl game a- out of the Coastal, and that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people have trouble wrapping their head around that, hey, you know, these teams are good in this division. You know, if we do lose an in-division game, it's not like we're losing to, you know, a, a division that's that's horrible. So, um, you know, jumping a little bit more into the on the you know the on the field stuff, the Tar Heels quarterback situation is definitely one that they they've got to get figured out. You know, how important do you think that it will be for this team to find that starter quickly? Well, whether it's Elliot or Surratt, and Surratt's a guy actually that when I, I lived down in Charlotte up until like fourteen, and I'd heard about him through a, a guy, one of our my close friends that lives up in Lincolnton. Um, so I, I know what he's about. I'm surprised that he didn't take really take hold of that job last year once he got a chance. And I think that's that's going to be the key for either one of those guys is 
you know, taking hold of the job. And when I watch quarterbacks in that kind of offensive system, it's weird. Like most people will look at the touchdowns and the yards and the yards per attempt and those kind of things. The thing I look at, honestly, um, is completion percentage because if you're not completing at least 60% of your passes in that kind of offense, Anthony, that's a problem. So right. I think the accuracy from both the quarterback that shows the most accuracy will take control of that job. So I don't know if it's going to happen right out of the go, but I mean, you're going to find out in that game against Cal because they're going to have to, you know, score some points to win that game. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chaz was definitely one of those guys that I, I thought was going to probably, I, I thought he was going to come in and, and take that job, you know, pretty, pretty, I'm not going to say easily, but I thought he would come in and really dominate once he got on the field and at least become that guy that could be a placeholder, if anything. Um, and you're, you're right, you know, you've got to be able to complete passes in that offense because a lot of it is the short passing game, especially last year when we lost that guy that could kind of take the top off. We never really found that guy after Matt Collins left. Hopefully this year we can find that guy potentially uh, in Daz Newsom or maybe even Bo Corrales, but we're still going to have to wait and see there. But I totally agree, and you know, right now, I would say if you're going to go with accuracy, Nathan Elliott is probably the guy that's going to have just a little bit of an edge because we saw last year how accurate he was and how well the offense was able to move once he took over. So, you know, it will it will definitely be interesting. But I think you know, I don't know if it's true for you, but at least from a Tar Heel perspective, do you think either one of these guys can get them back to the level that Marquise Williams or Mitch Trubisky had this offense at? I think so. I mean, you know, the the thing with breaking down quarterbacks now, and I think Trubisky almost set an unfair bar for future North Carolina quarterbacks because he came in there, he waited his turn, and in one year he showed, you know what, and, and just this is kind of a, a tangent. Uh, if you like what Trubisky did in that one year, watch Joe Burrow at LSU, and I bet you it's very similar, that, that, that waiting his turn and getting a shot and, and doing his thing. So, I think he almost created this unfair bar for quarterbacks like Surratt and Elliott and whoever, you know, I know they got a couple guys behind them that I, I'll confess that I don't know as much about. Um, but for future North Carolina quarterbacks, that would be the standard. And um, I think it can happen, though. I mean, another year in the system, another year around Fedora, like you said, trying to find that receiver who can get over the top. If they find those things, they'll be okay. Yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow's a guy that we, uh, we, we're we kind of trying to keep off the radar. Okay, I mean, he was supposed to come to Carolina for a visit. He ends up backing out. So, you know, not a great guy to mention right now. Uh, you know, but uh, we I, nah, I'm just playing around, man. We wish him the best <laughs> there. And and that's, that's good, man. Yeah, I mean, that would have been something great to have another guy like Mitch in there. But, um, you know, you look at, uh, I mean, the backfield, we definitely have some talent there. Jordan Brown, who we saw last year, led the team in rushing, um, was one of the team's top receivers out of the backfield as well. Michael Carter was a freshman who showed some great talent, um, especially early on in the year. I mean, he's, he showed against Cal that, look, you know, if he could run like that, uh, you know, for most of the year, man, he would he, he would be something special. And then we bring in the transfer Antonio Williams from Ohio State. You know, this group is starting to look like potentially, you know, by the time next year rolls around, because we're not sure what Antonio, whether Antonio Williams will be able to play this year or next year, that they could be one of the better ones, you know, in at least in the ACC, maybe one of those sneaky ones nationally. You know, are, are you seeing that backfield as being one that you're going to have to keep an eye on going forward? 
Yeah, you know, I don't know if uh, we're talking best in the country. I mean, that's when you you get into like the Alabamas and <laughs> in the ACC. I think the deepest backfield's Clemson because they literally have like four or five right. guys that. You know how how insanely deep are they, Anthony? That's yeah, ridiculous. that's um, it's crazy, but, man. No, I'm not, and I'm not by no means talking down. I think both of those guys. I I like running backs that can average anywhere between four and a half and five yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys did that. I do. If Burrow's a sore spot, well, then Antonio Williams should be somebody they should welcome. A guy that can get between the tackles. He was the one thing that stood out with me when I was around him a little bit. And as you know, I'm based up here in Columbus. Um, mm-hmm. Really physical between the tackles. Could be very valuable in short yardage situations uh, near the goal line. And I think he waited his turn here at Ohio State, but it's not his fault. You know, J.K. Dobbins is pretty good. Mike Weber's pretty good. So right. I think he'll be a welcome addition to the Tar Heels. And like you said, I'll by next when I'm talking to you about this next year, and I hope to be doing that, right. uh, we'll be talking about a very deep ACC backfield. Yeah. Bill Bender of Sporting News, guys, talking with us right now. Um, you know, sticking with the offense, one last question on that. You know, they had their worst year under Coach Fedora last season. Do you feel that this is a team that is in a spot to really bounce back offensively, or are there just too many question marks? Well, those turnovers. You can't turn them all over as much as they did last year. And mm-hmm. again, I mean, it's completion. When you, uh, when I watch a, a spread offense like that, and I'm look, I'm not – the Nexus knows expert by any means, but I look at a couple factors. One, completion percentage, like I said, two yards per carry. How, how are your running backs doing? Are they getting you in second and four instead of second and eight? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the turnovers. You can't turn the ball over in, in that kind of offense as much as they did last year. I mean, they went from what I believe was the year they went to the ACC championship game. They were, here, I got it right here, plus seven. And last year they were minus six in turnover margin. Well, there's your difference right there. 13 turnover difference is why you're not in Charlotte versus you're three and nine. So I think turnovers is everything. If there's one area that and I'm sure you've heard it from Coach Fedora that they've probably emphasized. I haven't heard it, but I'm sure you have, that they've emphasized taking care of the football. You'll hear that more often this year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we've got to do. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, a minus six turnover differential. I mean, even the year before, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it was in 2016. It was minus two. It was, it was minus, minus two. two. And you have to think that is with one interception the entire year, that which was Dominic Green who took a interception return back for a touchdown against the Citadel. We didn't turn the ball. The defense does not create turnovers. So you are 100% right. Protecting the ball is just so important for this team because if not, I, I mean, there's just no way that you're going to be able to be successful on the, uh, you know, as a team. You're, you're, the results are not going to come, you know, when you turn the ball over because your defense just, we've never done it. We haven't done it really under, I'm trying to think the last time we really turned the ball over a ton, probably since the Butch Davis days. It's been a while. So you're you're right. And you mentioned one other thing there that I thought was really interesting. And I saw a stat the other day. Um, I think it might have been when I was, uh, I was reading an article online and they said that, um, you know, the Tar Heels, one of the main things that they have to improve is, you know, their spot on third downs because they were they were usually stuck their average third down distance last year was third and eight that is horrible that is absolutely horrific 
and that number has to go up this year. Uh, I don't think there's any excuse. I mean, we you know, in, in, in previous years, it's, it hasn't been anywhere close to that, and especially, you know, with third and eight, it's just kind of head-scratching because you look at the run game, and they really weren't that bad. So how did it, it average out to third down and eight being your average distance on third down? It's got to be because of the sacks that these guys took, and, you know, that that's something that they've definitely got to get ironed out uh, for this season, I feel. Oh yeah, you don't. That's that's how you third and eight's how you throw interceptions, you know. Right. And uh, put your de- your defense in unfavorable situations, and um, yeah. So I, I think if they if they cut down the turnovers, be a little more efficient, you know, complete up that completion percentage, and you know, one or two of those running backs really jumps out, then yeah, the offense will be back. Any offense, yeah, the the standard to me for a great college football offense is forty points per game. Like a that that's the elite. I mean, anybody can get in the 30s, but I mean, right. once you get up in the high 30s and, and start touching 40, good things are going to happen, no matter who you. And you can give up a lot of points too, which I'm sure you you want to talk to me about next. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the defensive side of the football, and and I mean, you're touching on it right now, man. This this team is. They've never been great on defense under Larry Fedora, but they've had defenses that have been serviceable enough. I mean, last year, I'm just another one of those years that was kind of, I don't really know what to take of it. I thought we were better stopping the run, um, but that's always been a problem. How is this team, ever? how is it possible to change that? How can they become a team that can at least stop the run enough to be able to win football games in the ACC? Well, they've improved with each of the last three years, but you still know this, I, there's probably a stat proving me wrong, but no FBS team that ever gives up more than 200 yards on the ground is going to win big. I mean, you may get to a championship game. You may be able to outscore people. You can't give up 200 rushing yards a game. And you're talking to a kid that grew up in Ohio, and I think the first play we were taught was off tackle. But uh, it, it, you got to be better on that end of the ball. I think it starts at the defensive line. I mean, that was obviously an area. Right. You mentioned Butch Davis earlier. I mean, that was the when Butch Davis was at UNC, they had legitimate NFL defensive line talent. Um, you know, and they've had a few guys since, but Clemson again, and I hate to get that's the standard in the ACC that everybody's chasing. Right. Clemson right now has led the ACC in rush defense and has four first round picks on their defensive line. Huh. That's unheard of. I, I'm not saying North Carolina needs to go get four first round picks. Mm-hmm. But if you want to stop the run, you need to emphasize recruiting defensive linemen. And I know they have them down there in that North Carolina, South Carolina area. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like this group is in a a solid spot. Um, You know, there's a couple of guys down there that really have stepped their game up. I thought that last year, for sure, Aaron Crawford and and Jason Strobridge were the guys that stepped up. But in the middle, I mean, a guy like Jeremiah Clark is someone that we've kind of been waiting to take off and just never really has. And, you know, the thing about it is that I think is really frustrating is these guys will show signs, you know, especially early in the season that, hey, you know, these defensive linemen will get in the backfield. They'll be there and they'll make the tackles. But as, 
you start to get really even into that fourth and fifth game of the year, that starts to slowly deteriorate. And then by the end of the season, there's just not even a, there's not even a hint of being able to get into the backfield. And that's something that, you know, they've, they've definitely got to work on being, uh, if you get in the backfield, that's the way to affect it. You can't always rely on your linebackers to make the tackles. I totally agree with that because we've seen when we've tried to do that before and it simply doesn't happen. I mean, we're not going to have, we could have a guy that lights up the stat sheet. I mean, Donnie Miles was one of those guys at the safety position that used to light up the stat sheet, but man. You know, when, you, when, when you're getting these guys out in open field, it's just usually it's not going to work out. There will be missed tackles, and people get frustrated with that, but you got to be frustrated with these guys on the line that just can't get in, in the face of these running backs early on. Um, I mean, you know, you look at um, one other thing that I did want to ask you. I know last year we saw some struggles at times with the secondary. Do you think, especially with MJ Stewart and Donnie Miles moving on, is there any concern with the secondary, or is that still probably going to be the team's, def- at least defensively, the team's uh, best unit? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's obviously a concern, but that you want to have a good secondary, and um, they they can be better in that area. Uh, again, to me, it starts on the defensive line. I mean, it's a function of that because mm-hmm. if the defensive line's putting pressure on the quarterback, that puts less pressure on your safeties, um, especially in that conference where, you know, the the challenge of being playing secondary in the ACC Coastal, you have to have disciplined players because. I mean, it's just the different styles. I mean, George Tech's running an option, and then you're, you know, another week you got Pitt doing more of a traditional pro-style attack, and Duke, and Duke runs a spread, and then, um, you know, Virginia Tech runs that Justin Fuente offense where they get up and down in a hurry. You have to be disciplined in the secondary. I think that's the biggest challenge for any team in the ACC Coastal, and North Carolina wouldn't be any different. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Ultimately, now the question turns to where do you think that this team finishes, um, you know, record-wise and uh, in in the coastal, and you know, potentially, you know, where where do you think at that point the program will be sitting at? Well, I think you'll know what you need to know by October thirteenth because the schedule's a little front-loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I you know, we did. We ran our biggest trap games, and I, I know this isn't, isn't what North Carolina fans necessarily want to hear, but I think they are a trap game for UCF, and, and that UCF has all these, you know, talking about winning national titles and making the playoff. But I think that game against UCF is so important for both schools because UCF is going to have to go on the road and win that game, and um, North Carolina you know, has a chance to really ruin their season and, and coming off the two road games. And like I said last year. You built, you dig an own two hole. All bets are off. If they, you know, be there, find a way to win out of Cal, find a way to win at East Carolina, and then beat UCF, I think that creates so much momentum for that two week stretch against Virginia Tech and Miami. And, and as you guys know, there, and I don't think the rest of the nation knows as much. North Carolina plays Miami tough all the time. I mean, last year they played not all the time, but I mean they played them tough last year. Right. You know, they 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 beat Pitt. They Virginia Tech. I'm sure you guys want to erase, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you guys can compete in the division. So that's my way of saying that first couple games, if you win those, you know, seven, eight, nine wins, you, you can start to think about that. If you lose those, you, you're probably down in the 5-4-3 area. So that's why that first part of the season is so important this time. 
Well, there you go. Well, that thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for giving some of our fan base at least a little bit of hope there, Bill. I think uh, I think some of them were starting to stray a little bit. So hopefully you'll get them uh, back in the right direction. You know, before the season starts here, man. So uh, hey, man, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, this was just fantastic, and I'll definitely have to have you on back down the line, man. Oh, let's do that. Thank you, and uh, good luck with everything you guys are doing. And and it's May, so we're allowed to be optimistic. And, uh, you know, check us out at SportingNews.com along the way. Appreciate it. All right, man. Hey, you take care. You have a great day, okay? Thank you. All right, man. All right, guys, so awesome stuff there. Bill Bender of Sporting News stopping by to talk a little bit about what he expects from the Tar Heels. Always great to get those national perspectives on the team as opposed to some of those local or more Tar Heel-focused perspectives that, you know, I mean, he's, he's giving you some real stuff there, guys. I mean, he just said it right there. There are ways that this team, if they get off to a hot start, can be one of those challengers in the Coastal. If not, if they really struggle out of the gate and it's not going to be easy. At Cal will not be easy. At home against UCF will not be easy. And then once you get into the ACC, you know, we do end up drawing Syracuse. That's a break, but it's on the road at Syracuse. You're on the road at Virginia. You're on the road at Duke. Those are the easiest games you would look at usually, and all of those games are on the road. So he is definitely right. That three-game stretch to start the year is going to be extremely crucial. So I want to thank Bill Bender for coming on here, guys. Great guy. Great stuff from him, and we're definitely going to have him on, on, you know, somewhere on down the line uh, as the football season starts, and uh, we'll just get his perspective on that. So I want to thank you guys for listening. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast right here on Spreaker. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, tons of ways you guys can watch and or listen to it. If you want to watch it on YouTube, you can subscribe there. Again, it's just going to be listening. All you're going to see is the logo on there, so don't think you're going to actually see me on there, but uh, that's another way you guys can listen. And, uh, you know, that. so that's going to be all for this episode, guys. As always, go Tar Heels.